know how to get paid to speak, to build your platform and get that message that you want out into the world? Have you dreamed of speaking for a living? Is there something you have to say, but you're just not sure what to do next? Well, welcome to this week's episode of the Untapped Podcast, where all shall be revealed. Hey, I'm Natalie Sisson, a Kiwi, best-selling author, speaker, podcaster, vlogger, and business coach dedicated to helping you tap into your potential and get paid to be you. Grant Baldwin is not only a good friend, but an incredibly successful speaker who has been on hundreds of stages in front of up to 13,000 people and in one year close to 100 plus paid speaking gigs. In fact, he did it for so many years that he built his entire career on it. And now he has shifted into teaching others how to become a successful speaker. He's coached over 2,000 speakers, and we just covered so much in this episode. To start, we actually covered his business model and how he has turned from a professional paid speaker, starting out from scratch, into somebody who has built an entire business around teaching others how to get their message out into the world. What I particularly loved is we talked about being the tortoise, not the hare, and staying super focused on less because that is actually more Some of this advice in here is super refreshing and it reminded me of the power of going into a niche that is an inch wide and a mile deep. So if you are one of those people who needs to hear this advice, please listen to everything Grant has to say in the first 15, 20 minutes or so when we dive into exactly how he makes money, but also how they have managed to stay focused and consistently build a business that works every single day, not at launch time or at certain times throughout the year. And then, and then we go into how do you actually get paid speaking gigs? How much could you charge? What should you speak about? How do you even start? How do you make this strategic? And how do you actually make this into potentially a full-time career for you? So without further ado, Grant Baldwin is in the house. Let's just go for it. Grant Baldwin is in the untapped house. How the heck are you, my friend? I am so excited to hang out with Natalie Sisson today. It's going to be a lovely day. You are on the other side of the world, so it's technically different days. But nonetheless, I'm so excited to see you, so excited to hang out with you. And you're just as much on the other side of the world as I am. You know, takes two to This is true. This is very true. Well said. (laughs) Um, So first off, for those listening who have not heard of you, which is just, how would you not have heard of Grant? How do you get paid to be you? Good question. So uh, the way my career really started out was in this all things speaking. And so uh, I was passionate about speaking, interested in speaking. I didn't necessarily know it was a career. And so I met several guys who are full-time speakers and started stalking them and trying to figure out how do I do this? I want to be on stage. I want to speak. And so for the next several years, I was a full-time speaker. I was doing 60, 70 gigs a year, primarily in the US. It was a lot, but it was also awesome. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. And then started having a lot of people who were asking me saying like, hey, I'm interested in being a speaker. I want to find gigs. How did you, you've done something, you're doing something that's working. So what does that look like in your world? And so we started teaching a lot of what we knew about the speaking world. We found out there's a a lot of people interested in speaking and there's people who want to do 60, 70 gigs a year. And some people are like, I don't, I don't want to do that many. Like I've got something else going, but I wouldn't mind doing five gigs a year on the side. I just don't know how do you find those gigs and how much you charge? What do you speak about? Like, how does that world work? And so that's the core of what we've been teaching is teaching people how to find and book paid speaking gigs. And how long have you been running that business now? We've been doing, all right. So I got into the speaking industry like as a speaker, professional speaker, 
12, 13 years ago. And then we've been basically all in on the, uh, the speaker lab, the name of our company. Uh, we've been doing this for five years, four years, five years, something like that. So. How do you find the difference between, I mean, you still speak? Some, yeah, not nearly as much as I used to, but the, uh, but I still do some stuff, uh, the things that make sense. And uh, a lot more of the speaking that I do today is for entrepreneurs on this topic of speaking. And so teaching mm -hmm. them the ins and outs of the speaking world and how they can get on stages too. Awesome. So many questions that I want to dive in because I know this is a topic and it's a topic that's dear to so many people's hearts. It's one of those ones that's a mystery for some, it's for others, yeah. they're doing it, but they're really not doing it particularly strategically, or they're finding it pretty stressful or burning out through it, uh, not getting paid enough, all these yeah. things. But before we dive into that, so I just want to give people context. Basically, you did about six or seven years of speaking full time across all these stages before yeah. you started the business teaching other people how to do this successfully. Just wanted Correct. to pop that in there. So you had some really great experience, but ultimately I reckon you probably could have done that even in the first couple of years with the amount of stuff that you were learning at the intensity and rate of what you were speaking, right? Yeah. Like, and to give some thoughts on that, like um, one would be, yes, that I, uh, I don't think this is the case, not necessarily exclusively with speaking, but I think that's the case with a lot of people who, not necessarily a lot, but there are people who are teaching something that like, haven't fully experienced or like I spoke twice. And so now I'm going to teach, you know, speaking, it's like, eh, I don't know if that works. And again, like in the, you know, in this day and age, anyone can, you know, plant their flag in the ground for, yeah, I teach this. And it's like, I teach people how to scale to a hundred million dollar businesses. Like, have you scaled to a hundred million? No, but I can, you know, I can teach it. Eh, okay. So there's certainly a lot of that, but also I know early in my career, like I wasn't like, this wasn't on my radar to be mm. teaching this. I just really enjoyed speaking. Like it was a lot of fun. So I think it was when I noticed that, man, I was getting a lot of people who were asking me, I want to be a speaker. I want to be a speaker. I want to be a speaker. What do I do that? I think we started paying attention. I think that's a, a lesson for everyone of some of it is just paying attention to what are the questions that people are asking you on a regular basis? What seems like common knowledge to you, but is like a superpower to someone else. And they're just like, Whoa, I didn't even know that what you just said blew my mind. And you're just kind of like, I, I don't know. It seems like common sense, but apparently it's not. So what are those things that you are really gravitate to you feel like you really know something about and speaking as one of those things like you said i was in the trenches for years and years and years and know that industry really really well and the ins and outs and all the nuances that go into it so felt one very qualified to teach it and two frankly like i felt like i was passionate about it and am passionate about it because i feel like we are helping people who were where i was when i got started so i felt like a line we use all this i felt like i had the potential but i needed the plan I knew I was an okay speaker. I like speaking. I want to do more speaking. I just didn't know what to do. And there's a lot of people that are in that same boat who are like, I love speaking. Speaking so much fun. I want to do more of it. Now what? What do I do? How does this work? And so hopefully we've been able to provide some resources and some training and some tools to show people like, okay, here's your next step. Here's what you need to do. I think you have. I love it. Just out of interest and why I asked that as well. And thank you so much for talking about that. Just listen to what people are asking you. I always talk about this this ability where we have these natural talents and things come really easily to yeah. us. And those are the things mm -hmm. that usually we should be teaching most because to everybody else, they're like, huh, how do you do that so easily? Yeah. So paying attention, listening, and then acting is perfect. Would you say that you have more fun now teaching people how to get paid to speak versus when you were speaking? Or is it just it's a different business model? Yeah, I think it's both and probably because it's, there's still nothing quite like, uh, and you know, it's like being on stage in front of a live audience and you know, like, you got them and they're with you or you're, you know, you're, you're taking them on this journey or you're telling a story or you're delivering a punchline. You're like, ah, oh, this is working. It's just really, really, really fun. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's cool. But it's also really cool when, you know, there's a student who messaged yesterday 
one of our team, one of our coaches and our, our coach had dropped it into Slack. I'm pulling this up here because this was, uh, let me find it here. All right. Did a coaching call. Da, da, da. And this gal said, I just want to share the good news that I booked my first paid speaking gig for 2020 using the exact system you guys have provided for me to book speaking gigs. This gig is my target audience speaking on my core expertise at the rate I requested. Uh, so you hear that and it's also kind of like, it's like your kid doing something cool. And you're just like, that's really cool. You know, like, so would I like to book a gig? Sure. But when it's really cool is when they book gigs using what you show them, like, just do what I told you. And they're like, I did. And it worked. And you're like, that's really cool. So yeah. it's, they're both fulfilling, but just in different ways. I think that's why I love being a course creator or an experience creator, as I like to call it, because it's seeing the transformation and the results that students get that absolutely makes your day. And I guess I hadn't okay. thought about it being a little bit like when your kid does something really cool because I don't have kids, yeah. have fur babies. But yeah, it's like, oh my God, you got it and you implemented and you did it and now look at you. So yeah. I know that you've just put this into a book because one, you do take, and maybe it'd be really nice to go through sort of the ways in which your business model now gives you revenue because this is important. Mm-hmm. You got paid to speak for many, many years and still do, but then you've built a business teaching others how to do it. So you have the Speakers Lab, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. So that's a membership yep. community, yep. which people do. Talk me through what else you have, just because I want people to know how like you've built your business and layered it to have sort of multiple revenue streams. Yeah. So I would say this. So the Speaker Lab is the, the core business, kind of the overall brand and the company and everything that we do is at the speakerlab.com. I think one thing that we feel like we have done a good job at is not try to do a whole bunch of things. I think it is very easy for entrepreneurs just in general to have the shiny object syndrome and just to kind of chase what's the next latest and greatest, hottest fad, what's a way to make a quick buck. There are a lot of things that we could do that would probably do okay that we've been intentional just to say, nothing wrong with those things. Kudos to people who do those things, but it's just not a good fit for us. So one is being focused on that too, is also just, uh, and I think you're really good about this, is really determining like what's the end result here? What's the type of not only business, but lifestyle you want to have? So we were talking a little bit beforehand, before we started recording about hiring and about team. And I think we both have the same philosophy of like, we need people to do what it is that we do and to help people and to serve people and to help kind of build a team around us that can help facilitate some of that. But I can't speak for you, but my guess would be is similar to me in that I don't have any ambition to build some billion dollar company. I don't want to, what I tell our team all the time is like, I want to continue to build and grow what we have as long as we get to do it on our terms and we get to play by our rules and we get to make the rules for the game. And I, I, <laughs> I like travel. I like freedom. I like flexibility. I don't want to go to an office. I work from home. I spend a lot of time with my family. I want to spend a lot of time with my family. I like golfing. I want to do all these things. So when business starts to interfere with those things, we got a problem. Uh, so I'm not, I just, I don't Preach have it. any ambition. Yeah. I don't have the ambitions to like, we're going to build this massive empire and screw everything else. And I'm going to be exhausted. I'm going to kill myself in the, in the process here of just burnout and stress and fatigue. And like, I don't want to do that. Like I want to build something cool, but like, I'm not doing it at the trade off of those other pieces. So yeah. where were we going with that? Beautiful. Well, because you have really, 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 really focused. So it sounds like you're really business focused model. on the business one model. thing. That's it. Just yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So whenever we first really started, what we were doing with the Speaker Lab is we created a course that we call Booked and Paid to Speak. And so it basically teaches our process of here's how you find and book paid speaking gigs and kind of an online course and community type of program. So then this would have been about two and a half years ago or so, we started having more and more people asking for like one-on-one coaching, group coaching. I had done a little bit of it. It wasn't my favorite thing to do. And so again, I think this also comes back to 
the type of model that you want to have in terms of a business model. So for me, a lot of people were asking for coaching. I just didn't enjoy coaching. And so we said, nah, we're not going to do that. I'm sure we can make revenue from it. I'm sure we could help people with it, but I just, I wasn't interested in it. So we weren't going to do it. So being able to, again, say no, even to, to good things. So we figured out kind of a, a group coaching type model that made sense that involved myself, but it wasn't all dependent on me. And so we have multiple coaches that students have a chance to work with. And we're also, we've been very intentional with the speaker lab to not have it be about grant. I tell our team all the time, this is not the grant show. And this is not, it's not meant to be a personal brand at all. So if you, I recognize like I'm the face, I'm the voice in this moment, but the end all be all is not grant. There's a whole team of people um, mm-hmm. that, that help make what we do possible. So, uh, so all that say like, yeah, we started with the, the, the course and then we kind of extended to the group coaching program. Those two things make up probably 90% of our revenue. There's a few other like miscellaneous things here and there, but we don't do big launches. We don't do like a ton of affiliate JV partnership stuff. We don't do live events. We, like I said, we don't really do any wow. one-on-one coaching. There's a lot of things we don't do that I'm really happy with. I'd rather do a couple things. So refreshing. I'd rather do a few things like really, really well. And I would rather like the big launch model uh, makes me super nervous because there's so much pressure in that, so many eggs in that basket. I would rather make a few sales every day than a whole bunch of sales a couple of times a year. So our model, like we've been really intentional on that of we want to be the tortoise and not the hare, just more slowly, just trucking along and business has grown substantially, but I don't feel it's because like, man, we did this one thing and like, whew, everything just changed overnight. It's just like brick by brick. We're slowly, you know, making progress and making a dent in the world, hopefully. And yeah, that's how, that's kind of how we've, we've gone about approaching business. Love it. And so I do just have to ask at that point, which is so refreshing to hear. So I hope the listeners are like, oh, thank God. Thank you, Grant, for saying that because the bright, shiny object syndrome is something I've been guilty of. And we always yeah. have all these creative ideas, but focusing on the thing that gets you the results, that Pareto rule, right? 20% of what you do gets you 80% yep. of the results. It's not a myth, but it's real. So just getting really focused. But I assume you have a really good funnel for the Speak Lab and the business that you do that helps you get those sales every single day sure. um, versus the big launch. So just wanted to put that out there for people listening. What's the message? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we do a couple of things. One is we have kind of the organic side and then we have the paid side of what we do in terms of content and kind of the you know top of the funnel type stuff. So there's several different free tools, free resources that we have. And we have, we've done 270, 280 some podcast episodes at this point. We have a bunch of YouTube videos, a bunch of blog posts. Fairly sure you've been on the podcast as well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think so. Maybe it's time to come uh, back. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we might need to make that happen. So, uh, so we have a lot of content out there that people are coming across and finding mm-hmm. through various forms. We have one thing that's also worked well for us is we have the speaker fee calculator. People ask mm-hmm. all the time, how much should I charge as a speaker? And the reality is, is that it depends, but that's a horrible answer. So <laughs> what we did was basically figuring out speaker fees is much more of an art than a science. And so mm-hmm. it's not an exact thing, but what we try to do is put together this speaking fee calculator where people can go there. It's at myspeakerfee.com. It's totally free. Uh, you answer like six, seven questions and it tells you what you should be charging mm-hmm. as a speaker. It takes less than a minute, but it's a fun little calculator. And we've had tens of thousands of people that wow. have gone through that. So we've got those things, just some calls to action on our site. Our site gets decent traffic. So basically everything we do points to one or two places. One points to automated webinars. We do automated webinars for our booked and paid to speak course. 
And then on the group coaching is more of a high ticket program. We have four sales reps, we call them enrollment advisors, and they are doing calls on a daily basis that people book. So inbound bookings that people sign up for calls. And so everything we do either points to an automated webinar or it points to booking a call. All of the content that we do points to one of those two things. So again, we try to keep it pretty simple of we have a bunch of content out there, but it ultimately is leading to one of two things, either register for a webinar or book a call. And so you can, you know, you can poke around the, you know, the, the podcast, you can poke around, you know, the speaker fee calculator, you can YouTube videos, like you'll say everything is going to go to one of those two places. Um, so and then from there, there's, you know, it, it kind of trickles down to actual offers, but that's the kind of the, the core of what we do is point to those two places. I can't like, you've just given so many gold nuggets for people listening who are overwhelmed or just don't have a strategic plan. That's it. Follow the grant method. And I do have to ask how long, just for people listening as well, did it take for all those pieces to come in place? Because I know for me, I've had that in the past. I'm working towards it now, but it's not kind of like an overnight thing. Often like you've got disparate content, you've got things all over the place and you're trying to pull them in and you obviously have to have the offering, the one thing or the one or two things that you point people to. So has this been a process of like over several months or over several years or are you constantly just refining and tweaking? Yeah, it never ends, uh, unfortunately. Fortunately or unfortunately. But I think it's also like it, that makes it interesting. And, and the other part of I forgot was we do a lot of paid traffic. We do a lot of Facebook ads. Facebook ads have been worked really, really well for us. And it's just, it's a matter of just knowing your numbers. Like we, the amount of things that we track religiously is ridiculous. We have spreadsheets for spreadsheets for spreadsheets. It's silly, but we track all those things. So we have a really good idea especially whenever it comes to paid traffic, if we put a dollar in, we have a pretty good idea of how much we're going to get back and how mm -hmm. soon we're going to get that back versus just like, oh, I'm going to spend some Facebook ads and I hope it magically works. Like we don't do that. We work hard for our money. And so if I'm going to spend it, I want to feel pretty confident I'm going to get it back plus more. Mm -hmm. So Facebook ads have worked really well for us. So the funnel side of it, the business side of it, I totally think it's, it's just an ever evolving process that you're always paying attention to. So let's take Facebook ads, for example. When we first started doing Facebook ads, probably four years ago or so, man, they worked really, really, really well. And today, fast forward to today, they still work, but not nearly as effective as they used to. So something like doing automated webinars, they used to crush them on a daily basis. And now they still work, but not nearly as well. So you have to pay attention to what's working and what's not working. And just because it worked, you know, a year ago or just because it worked last month doesn't mean it's going to be working, you know, a, a year from now. I'll give an example, like a, a recent example. If we look at the last 90 days, the past 75 days for automated webinars for us, Facebook ad to automated webinar has sucked. It just really? has not gone well. But the last two weeks have gone incredibly well. Right. I, I wish I said period? like... I was thinking because I know ads go really expensive at Christmas. Heaps more people are advertising during yeah, that time. Some, some of it yeah. was that. Some of it is we noticed some of the some of the reminders that we send via SMS, text message, and some of the automated Facebook Messenger reminders hadn't been working as well. So we got those back on track. So it's just like, it's sometimes it feels like whack-a-mole that you smack one thing over the head and then something else pops up and you're just, you're always paying attention to it. You know, you're always mm -hmm. making sure. So I think like, like I was talking with someone maybe a year or two ago and they were asking we were talking about some of the stuff and they were working on a new, some type of new course or training program. And I said, what, how are you planning on selling that? And they said, well, I'm just going to, I'll just do Facebook ads and just do a webinar. You know, that's what you do. And it's like, technically, yes, but like <laughs> there's so many moving pieces behind yeah. the scenes that just make it work, you know? So yes, at a very simplest form, like that's what we do, yeah. but there's just, there's, there's a lot to keep up with that. You know, like you have to continue yeah. to 
put logs on the fire and gas on the fire and keep the fire going. And some days you're like, all right, we figured it out. We're good. And some days you're like, okay, it's not working anymore. Now what do we do? You know? Uh, Thank so you there's, for being there's so absolutely like, yeah, like there's just, there's huge, huge ebbs yeah. and flows. One thing, you know, I tell entrepreneurs this all the time when I'm catching up with friends, talking with, with someone like you. And I just, when people ask like, Hey, how are things going? I'm like, we're just making it up as we go. Like everybody else, like nobody has it all figured out. No matter what we post on Instagram or wherever, or the filters we use or the profile or the things that we type of like, life is great. This is like, behind that is a nervous, anxious, worried, scared entrepreneur, just trying to figure it out. Just trying to do the You best. sound like you got it more figured out than a lot of people. I'm really intrigued. Thank you so much for sharing the funnel because it's all the pieces that I'm going to be putting in place this year. But I do get what you mean. Even when you're at that, yeah. some people then may be like, what was all that lingo he just used? You what? That sounded super complicated. Yeah. To other people who are doing that, they might be like, oh yeah, there's a little missing piece that I've not been doing. Or, oh, actually maybe Grant's just given me the permission to kind of go ahead and look at my strategy again and refine and see what's not working. And as you said, track and measure. I know it sounds so like to other people so boring, but why would you spend your hard-earned money, as you said, on something that you don't even know is going to work or is working at any one point if you can't track and measure that approach? Or you get to a point where you're just like, I spent a bunch of money and maybe it worked. I kind of feel like it worked. I'm not really sure if it worked. Like I want to know if it worked. And so that's why we, again, we track that stuff. And again, I think it's easy to think like, you know, you, if you have a bunch of people or systems or tools or stuff, but like, remember me, you, everyone listening, we all start from scratch. Everyone starts from zero. So it's not like, all right, I just have this magical spreadsheet and all of a sudden we have magical ads and we have this magical webinar. Like it all started from version 1.0 of, I think this will work. Let's try that. Okay. So part of that work, part of that didn't. Now let's pivot and adjust. And here's our spreadsheet. And here's what we track these three things. Oh crap. I realized we need to track these other two things. Let's add that. And then, you know, a couple months later, why aren't we tracking that? We need to track this. Can we track that? And that's like to the point where now we track a dumb amount of data, but that's not where we were from day one. So don't like, don't also think for just for people listening in general, like don't necessarily compare where you're at to where I'm at or to where Natalie you're at because it's never both of yeah we're all figuring it out as we go we're all at different places so there's people I look up to admire I'm like man they got all their all their stuff together we have so much more to, to improve on and to build and yada 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 it's like but they're at a different phase they're at a different yeah. step you know so I don't and they probably wake up every so often going what are we doing oh my god yeah. should we pivot so um, I do totally. just have to say it was amusing right now while you were talking is that we have four chickens and they walked by the window because we have these Florida ceiling windows, walked by the window, came into the garden right in front of this laptop and started kicking around the mulch and whacking it into the window. So if you heard anything, that was potentially them. But I did, awesome. I just felt like turning the camera around to show the real world, what's going on. The real the world, here. the true life of an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get back because this is awesome. Thank you so much. Because I wanted to give people an example of just what's possible in building a business model off getting paid what you know, what you mm -hmm. experienced in, what you love doing and what you're good at. Grant has yeah. built an entire new career in business based on this. And now you teach others how to do that. So I do just want to say that one part of your funnel is this fantastic new book, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps of Booking Gigs, Getting Paid to Be You and Building Your Platform. So are you excited about this? I'm extremely excited about it. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a, uh, a work in progress for almost two and a half years now. So to finally have it come out and be live and shared with the world is, is super, super exciting. Two and a half years. Wow. So is it essentially a lot of what it's just the framework that you use, but put into a book with lots of case studies, examples, mm -hmm. scenarios, so people can really get it? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because like I said, we have a lot of free content out there. We have, you know, like I said, a couple hundred podcast episodes. We have a lot of stuff that we've covered and talked about. But if you want it like synthesized down into a step-by-step process of here's what I need to do. Here's my next step. Here's my action items, something to follow. We also really were intentional about designing the book to be kind of a handbook that you can refer back to over time. So maybe right now you're going, hey, I'm still, I'm kind of loosely intrigued by speaking. And, and first I got to really figure out who I would speak to and what I speak about. And you may spend some time, you know, camping in that area. And then like, you know, a month or two from now, maybe you're like, I, I got an email today asking, hey, what do you charge to speak? We're interested in hiring you. And you're going like, I don't know how to answer this. You can pull the book back out and refer to that chapter and say, how do you respond to that? Or a month from then, then they want to hire you. And what do you send them? Do you send them a contract? What needs to go in the contract? You know, so all that stuff that we hope that is more of a less about a, okay, I read it once, I put it on the shelf and I'm done, but something I can, I can refer back to as needed in my, yeah, in my, my business. I don't know that I call it a Bible, but. Well, uh, I'm not religious, but I meant like uh, people used to say the suitcase entrepreneur to them was this Bible that they could just pick up and refer back to and read a chapter and go, that's right back on track. Yeah. Yep. 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 So it, we wanted to absolutely be like that handbook and that guide and that people can use, you know, long-term. Do you feel, because this is a big question for me, do you feel that anybody who's thinking about going out, getting paid speaking gigs, really making this a thing, should treat it as a business or a business arm from the get-go? Or do you feel there is that length of time where you can just test out and see whether it is really thing that you're going to love because it's not for everybody right and no totally like i think it depends on what your goals are so if you said you know i want to do you know i want to do 100 gigs a year but i'm just going to kind of dabble in it you know it's like okay good luck with that you know like it's just it's not going to work versus if you said you know maybe i'm I'm dabbling with it but my expectations are if i book a couple gigs awesome if not that's fine it really depends on what your goals are and what your expectations are but if you said okay, my goal in the next year is to do 10 gig, 10 paid gigs at this fee amount, then I, I got to like, I got to buckle down and like get to work on it. It's, it's not reading the book or listening to this podcast is not going to do squat for you. Like at some point you have to actually do something with it. And so it's, it's really, it comes out to like the effort and the work that you put into it is in direct proportion to the results that you'll get. So so yeah, I, uh, I think anyone can do this, but I think you also have to be realistic about what your expectations are and what you want to get out of it. And also, I think your personality and how you show up, for example, I've done the Wealth Dynamics profile. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but I'm a star as my profile. And so actually speaking on stage is something I love. um, I want to improve on. I really enjoy it. I love seeing people's reactions. I love being able to impart wisdom and, and help them get a result. But I also love new things and doing stuff. And so for me, turning up you know, a hundred times a year with the same story would, I just know it drive me nuts. Like I'd just be dead bored. And then there's my friend Osman, for example, he's a trader profile. He can run the same workshop again and again and again. He can speak about the same thing again and again. Loves it. It's great for him. So I think, you know, also understanding your personality and what lights you up and what motivates you. And I don't know if you want to speak to that because maybe that's a, a preconceived yeah. limiting belief that I have, but I just kind of know for me, I'd, I'd want to have several speaking topics and not do as many gigs a year as, as you were able to do, which oof, I don't even know how you did it. <laughs> so I'll give you two thoughts on that. One is cool. going to be, so inside the book, we talk about the differences between like keynotes and workshops and seminars because everyone's going to be wired differently. I know for me personally, mm-hmm. I do really well in like a one hour block. Uh, right. And so for any size audience, so I've done keynotes for, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 13,000 people for 45 minutes an hour. And I love that. I do really well in that type of context. What I don't enjoy is let's do a three-day seminar with 10 people. But there are other people who hear, you know, doing a one-hour block, like you can't, you don't have anything to say in one hour. You can't get to everything that you need to cover. And with a thousand people or 10,000, like, or even a hundred people, you know, you're never going to be able to really help them. 
uh, I would love to do three days with 12 people, just really getting to intimately know them and go deep in their, you know, their personally or professionally or whatever. And like the point being like both work. So it's not necessarily like one is better or worse than, than the other. Again, it's just kind of figuring out what resonates with you and what it is that you are trying to accomplish. The other thing I would say in terms of like, of like personality is I think there's a bit of a misconception that like in order to be a successful speaker, you have to be like this extrovert. You have to be this life of the party. You have to, you know, yada, yada, yada. You have to be this raging cheerleader and something. And like the reality <laughs> is that you, you don't like, I've talked about this a lot publicly, but I'm a pretty introverted person. Like I like people, but I also don't always have to be around people at all. So I'm completely fine being by myself and at home in my office in the hotel room or whatever. I don't have to be around people all the time. And I, I have actually found that a lot of speakers are like that. We like being around people, but can also be tiring. So mm. also all that to say, like, there's not like one stereotypical like mold that you have to fit in order to be a speaker. There are incredibly powerful speakers that are larger than life, huge personalities, very charismatic. And there are incredibly powerful speakers who have very successful careers who are very, very quiet and not necessarily shy or tip, but they are very soft, but powerful speakers and both work. So I think that, that also just speaks to like, there's not some cookie cutter formula you have to follow and there's plenty of room for everyone. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. Cause yeah, absolutely love that. And I was thinking about my sort of profile as I was doing that. And I actually really love running retreats and couple of day workshops, yeah. because for me, quality time with fewer people yes. really brings me to life. And don't get me wrong, speaking to a thousand people, which is the biggest stage I've spoken to was epic. But after yeah. I just couldn't help thinking, I wonder if they did anything with that info. I wonder what they're doing now. Did I make an impact? Did I make a difference? And I think yeah. with workshops and stuff, I can see that I am. So that's really interesting. 100%. And again, it's not that one's better or worse than the other. It's just mm. figuring out for you, how you're wired for what you want to do, for what your goals are, which makes more sense for you. So again, I know plenty of people who are like, I would never want to be on stage in front of, you know, a hundred or 500 or a thousand people, but man, give me a room of 10 people that I can hang out with for a couple of days. Like we can really get some work done. And again, they both work. They both are effective. Yeah. So let's, obviously we want people to pick up your book. So I'll link to it in the show notes, but for somebody listening who maybe they've dabbled in a little bit of speaking, maybe not paid yet, it's so hard because you probably have many pieces of advice, but what is one important step that they can take to get a strategic paid speaking gig in the area that they want to be speaking about to the audience that they want? Like if you were just going to say, do this one thing tomorrow as a strategy, is that possible to do? What would it be? Yeah. You touched on the two things. One is to get really, really clear on who you speak to. And number two, get really, really clear on what's the problem that you solve for that audience. The problem that a lot of speakers have is like, we just, like you and I, we, we like speaking. Speaking's fun. We really enjoy it. It's a fun rush. It's a fun way to help an audience. It's a fun way to connect. So when someone were to ask like, well, who do you speak to? For us, we're just like, I just like speaking. So who do you want me to speak? I'll speak to people. I just, I speak to humans. That's who I speak to. That's my market. <laughs> and but that dogs. doesn't work, right? <laughs> and dogs. I love dogs. We're dog people. Or the, the other side of the equation of like, well, what do you speak about? And it's like, well, what do you want me to speak about? I can speak mm. about anything. I can speak about, you know, entrepreneurship or leadership or innovation or change or customer service or parenting or marriage or goals or like, no, you can't. You may know something <laughs> about all those things, but if you try to do all those things, that's a horrible way to approach business. So, so the most important thing you can do, one of the things we talk about inside the book and inside like our training programs is that you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet. Be the steakhouse 
not the buffet. <laughs> so like, like if you were looking for a good steak, you could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred things that they offer and they're all mediocre. Or you could say, no, no, I do one thing and I do that thing really, really, really well. If you go to a steakhouse, they don't serve tacos. They don't do pizza. They don't do lasagna. They do steak and they're really, really good at it. And because of that, they can charge a premium for it because we do one thing and that's it. And so it's counterintuitive because we think that in order to be a speaker or just an entrepreneur in general, the more people we can speak to, the more topics we can talk about, the more products that we offer, the more successful we can be. And the opposite is actually true. The more narrow, the more focused you are. I serve one type of person doing one type of thing, helping them solve one specific problem in maybe one specific way the easier it is to actually find those clients and to find those type of gigs. So, so I would say that's the biggest challenge is once you're clear on this is who I help, this is how I help them, this is the problem I help them solve, then it's a lot easier to find those clients versus, yeah, what do you want me to speak on? Who do you want me to speak to? Because then at that point, you're like, I speak to everybody and nobody about anything and everything and it just, that doesn't work. Wow, I'm just thinking back over like when I said the speaking page, I probably was like, yeah, I can speak about these five yeah. or six different topics because I legitimately could. But yeah. in essence, and this just brings me to a quick question. So I love that. Be the steak or just narrow. I'm vegan right now. So maybe be the broccoli. Be the broccoli. Be, be the, the only broccoli out there. But I guess my question is within that, you can have subtopics of sure. your particular expertise or that topic that you're going to speak to, right? That's okay. Yeah, but still so try for- and stick with that. Yeah. So the difference is going to be, again, like I'll give an example. So within, just because we've kind of been talking at the beginning about business models. So within the speaker lab, we teach people how to find and book speaking gigs. Now there are plenty of other things. People who come to us are interested in plenty of other things. We could hypothetically teach about writing and publishing a book or self-publishing or coaching or consulting or doing an online course or podcasting or fill in the blank of Facebook ads or funnels. Like we have some experience that we could teach those things, but I know the more of these things we try to teach, the more watered down the core thing that we teach becomes. Mm-hmm. So rather than saying like, we are a mile wide and an inch deep, we are an inch wide and a mile deep. That like we are the go-to person for this. Now within this, we primary thing that we teach is how to find a book paid speaking gigs. But in order to do that, one of the other things you have to do is you have to be a pretty good speaker. Not the world's greatest speaker, but being a good speaker is part of that. Mm-hmm. We teach you how to find and book gigs and you stuck on stage, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. So one of the other things that we teach within that is the art side of speaking. It's not a mm-hmm. core thing of what we teach, but it is absolutely something in the book and just in our programs that we teach you how to create and deliver a great talk because we know that, that that makes a difference. So it's still in the wheelhouse of speaking. It's just kind of a different angle of we teach the art side, we teach the business side, but all the other things that we could do coaching, consulting, publishing, writing, blogging, podcast, all those things we could do. We're saying, no, 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 no. We do this one thing and we do that thing really well. Love it. Thank you. Oh, so refreshing once again. And just to finish up here, I know we could talk for ages on this, but you've been so generous with your time. And I know this is probably on the tip of everybody's tongue, which is Grant, how much can I get paid to speak? But I'd like to be more specific than that because you have a calculator. So you can go there and see it. But just in general, Across the board, trends that you're seeing, I know you're based in the US, it's probably different different places, but is there sort of tiers that people can expect when they're starting out versus they've been speaking for a while? Um, yep. You know, is it sort of, yeah. Yeah, let me give you several variations of an answer here, okay? So one <laughs> is, again, go to the myspeakerfee.com. Now, when you do that, let me tell you about some of the factors that go into that calculation. One is going to be your industry. You can charge more in some industries versus others. You can mm-hmm. charge more speaking to corporations and versus nonprofits. You can charge more speaking to colleges versus elementary schools. 
No, I wouldn't use that as the end all be all of like, okay, which one charges the most? So I'm going to do that one. That's not a good, well, I wouldn't advise that or recommend that. Because if you're like, hey, I made a bunch of money there, or I'm trying to get into a, uh, an industry that I don't know anything about, or I don't care about, you're not going to make it. So I wouldn't recommend that. But just know that industry is a factor. Another factor is going to be your experience. If you're a brand new speaker just getting started, you typically won't be able to charge as much as someone who's been doing this for many, many years, just typically because they're a better speaker. They have more experience. They've been doing this long. Another factor is going to be your, your marketing materials. Whether we like it or not, people judge books by their covers. And so let's say that you're charging you know, $3,000 or $5,000. Typically event planners are going to be looking at other speaker websites and demo videos to determine, you know, who is going to be the best fit. And so if they're looking at your site and they're looking at other sites in the same kind of fee range, you better make sure that you're on par with them. So you need to make sure that your stuff looks professional. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have spent you know, tens of thousands of dollars on a website, you can get a really, really well done website for very, very inexpensive, but it needs to look sharp. It needs to look professional because people, again, judge books by the covers. So those are the different factors that would kind of go into it. There are, it's also because I know you are international. I know a lot of people listening are international. It does absolutely vary by parts of the world. Most of the bigger gigs or the, the most, uh, most of the opportunities, uh, no, but a lot of opportunities are absolutely in the US. I know that there are also a lot of opportunities in Australia. There's opportunities in, in Europe, opportunities in uh, even in Asia where you know, so there are certain places, certain companies that have a lot of money that they spend on events and on speakers. We actually did a podcast episode I can send you later specifically about international. What's the difference? Um, oh between opportunities in the US versus Canada versus Australia versus Europe versus any other part of nice. the world. Yeah, I'd love to. So, let me be so I would say this like a lot of events are going to be for like newer speakers. I'm a decent let's assume like you're a decent speaker, you can charge usually anywhere from $1000 to $5000 per event. Now, it can be sometimes higher, it can be sometimes lower, but as a general rule there, that's kind of a, a rough range of between a mm-hmm. thousand and five thousand. Now there are, you know, a really good corporate speakers or kind of up and coming corporate speakers, I'd say, are gonna be anywhere from five to ten. Good corporate speakers can be anywhere from ten to twenty. B list celebrities, people who have some name recognition, they're gonna be, you know, best selling authors, twenty-five to thirty to thirty-five. And then like big celebrities can be fifty thousand, a hundred thousand and uh at that point, they're just putting butts in seats. They're helping sell tickets. It doesn't yeah. even really matter what they talk about on stage. So kind of a, a different ballpark there. But well, I'll give you one other thought here is people wonder sometimes like, is it a bad thing to speak for free? You can speak for free as long as you know why you're doing it and be really, really clear on that. You are bringing something of value to the table in the form of your talk. So you need to receive value for that. Now that value can look different depending on what your goal is. So sometimes it comes in the form of a check. Other times though, one of the best things that entrepreneurs can do is speaking at the right event can be lead gen for other parts of your business. Okay. So let me give an example. There's a, a student that we've worked with. They speak 30, 40 times a year for free. All of their speaking is for free, but they do it as lead generation for their coaching business on the back end. Their coaching business is a $300,000 coaching business, but the entire thing is built on speaking for free. So on paper, you're like, right. what are you doing all these free gigs for? But it's like, he would tell you the entire business is built upon speaking for free and that generates hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue in other ways. So whether you have some type of product or service or coaching or consulting, speaking can work really, really well for that. 
can also work really well. Let's say if you want to do more speaking, that if you're speaking at the right event with other event planners there, speaking leads to more speaking. A friend of mine says, the more you speak, the more you speak. And so speaking is very much a momentum business that when you speak, there may be people in the audience that are looking for speakers like you or know of someone who is. And so they can either hire you or refer you or events can have you back. And so you may make sense to speak for free or a lower amount because you know you're going to get additional speaking engagements out of it. It may make sense to speak for free or a lower amount because the opportunity to network with other speakers. You know, you and I have spoken at some of the same events before and it gives us the chance to, you know, rub shoulders with other speakers who are there. It gives you a certain amount of like recognition and credibility and quote unquote prestige and authority in that space just because you're a speaker and you're on stage. So as a long answer to say, it varies for what you can charge. There's a lot of variables and factors that go into it. A thousand to 5,000, a good range. You can speak for free again, as long as you know why you're doing it. So there's a little summary of that. That was long brilliant. Answer. One, for an introvert, you speak a lot. It's awesome. Um, and two, I can see what value people must get inside the speaker lab because that was just a brilliant answer. And I'm glad you didn't just say this because as you said, there's an art to it and there's a science yeah. to it. So I was actually getting excited and it does make me realize when I was traveling a ton and based in the US a lot more, I definitely got more paid speaking gigs just for being there. And as you said, the more I spoke, the more opportunities came up. Mm-hmm. And I've distinctively noticed it being back in New Zealand, hungering down a little bit more. That's just fewer and far between. Also, I haven't actively been looking for them, but it does excite me to have that on my plan. Probably not for this year as much, but 2021. I just think there's times as well when you really want to be doing it, especially if you're wanting to, you know, as you said, have a book come out or something. If you want to be more visible, you want to get in front of more people, you want people to know your name in order to be able to do more impactful work, there's definitely a good strategy. Speaking is one of those. I'll give you one other thought here that I think is really relevant for you and for your audience is another reason why it may make sense to speak for free or reduce amount is travel. So there are some events that say, hey, we can't, you know, we have limited budget, but we'll cover your travel to get here. Well, depending on where it is, it may be completely worth it. So I know I've done several gigs that are like, it's just in a cool location. And, you know, my wife gets to come or my kids get to come and it's just a cool opportunity for us to have like a family vacation. There's a a friend of mine who recently, he doesn't do a ton of speaking, but got invited to do something in Europe and he's based here in the US. And he said, they don't, the the budget's a little smaller, but they're going to pay for my wife and I to come over. They're going to give us, you know, several extra days of hotels. So he's like, they may have paid less than I would have liked, but I got a European vacation out of it, right? That he wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So that can also be something that can work. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It can work really, really well in that sense of like, you know, you're getting opportunities to travel because of your speaking. Love it. Ah, so many good things. So many great reasons to get paid to be a speaker and to put it into either your business model or make it your entire business. Thank you so much, Grant, for sharing so much knowledge generously. Where can people find out more about you? Yeah, everything that we do is over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com, speaker fee calculators over there, myspeakerfee.com as well. And then again, the book is called uh, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid and Building Your Platform. It's all the info about that is at thespeakerlab.com slash book or Amazon or Barnes Noble or wherever you buy your books. Hopefully it's there. (laughs) I can tell you've done that before. It was perfect. I'll link to that all in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the Untap Show, showing people how to tap into their speaking potential and uh awesomely good luck with the book as well i know it's going to be just so insightful and helpful for so many people thank you so much natalie i appreciate you so if you enjoyed this episode please do give it a thumbs up on itunes rate and review just review it anywhere would be amazing or even better shout out to a friend and say hey 
listen to this episode of the Untapped podcast that Natalie Sisson's put out, just head to nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast and search for Grant Baldwin or speaking and you'll see it right there. All the show notes will be there, a link to Grant's book, but just share this episode with somebody you know who has maybe started speaking. Maybe they just would absolutely love to speak on stage, but they've never thought about it. Maybe they are not playing a big enough game, putting themselves out there and you think they deserve to be paid more. Please share it. It would mean the world to me. And in the meantime, I hope that you consider adding in speaking as part of your repertoire, perhaps a potential revenue stream, perhaps a whole new life and business and career for you. And I would love to know. So tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at Natalie Sisson and let me know what you learned from this episode and what, more importantly, you're going to do about tapping into your potential and getting paid to speak. 